minimalists. <laughs> Live from the House of Blues, my name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists live in Houston, Texas! Wow, thank you so much for being here tonight. Um, this <laughs> for those of you listening at home, there was a we need more cowbell bell comment. Um, thank you, I, I didn't bring it with me. Um, there was a, uh, a tragedy uh, with Houston recently, and so we're trying to find a, a way to, to give back. So we're, we're donating all, all the profits from, from this event. Um, Man, it was, I, I was, I was walking, yeah, yeah. thanks, Thank you. Um, and, and, well, I was walking through, uh, I remember exactly, like, when it happened, I, I was walking through downtown Los Angeles with, with my partner, Rebecca, and, uh, like, Houston was just, like, on all the TVs all of a sudden, like, you'd walk past a bar, a restaurant, or, you know, whatever, and then you'd just see the, these TVs with, with Houston, and, I mean, it was one of the biggest tragedies. We're, I'm talking about Game 7 of, of the World Series. <laughs> Congratulations on that, y'all. Yeah. yeah. Woo! Uh, but no, in, in all seriousness, the, uh, the flood has affected more than 120,000 homes in, in the Houston area, and we did want to find a way to give back. So. We're working with a charity, a nonprofit called Global Giving. And so if you want to give beyond whatever you paid for your ticket tonight, which is you know, the, the profits from this will we'll all go to Global Giving, um, you can also find Global Giving. Um, you just go to theminimalists.com slash Harvey, and there's a link right over there. Um, and, and you can give whatever you want to help with. The, they, they helped with the immediate relief efforts, which is, of course, needed. But as you all know, there's long-term rebuilding efforts. And... Uh, sometimes a charity will help out with the immediate relief and then it's sort of like swoop in and be gone. But then what do we do after that? How do we rebuild? Because many of these, these neighborhoods and houses are going to take many months, if not several years, to, uh, to get back to normal, whatever the new normal is going to be. So, um, man, we, we wanted to help out however we could. And then, of course, we're here tonight. We want to help out a little bit as well. We have a microphone. I think it's over here. And we're going to be answering questions. So if uh, there are at least five of you that have questions tonight, we, we have four answers. So one of you is going to get a duplicate answer. Yeah. Now, I know some of you are thinking, oh, I'll just wait till the hug line to ask my question. Nope. <laughs> we don't answer questions in the hug line. So like now is the time <laughs> to, to ask your question. Man, Josh, this is going to be a really minimal podcast. I, could, just some people I can pontificate down. for at least another 90 minutes. <laughs> How's it going, brother? What's your name? Hey, I'm Doug. Hey, Doug. How are y'all doing this evening? Outstanding. Where are you from? Uh, great question. I was born in New Jersey. I grew up in New York. Lived in uh, Vermont, Colorado, and West Virginia before I ended up in Texas. Welcome. Welcome nice. to Texas. And now welcome here. Uh, thank you. Uh, so my question for you guys, um, I've been following your stuff on and off for five years. Uh, it's definitely added a lot of value to my life and made my human experience a lot better. Uh, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot over the last year is how I'm going to get out of debt so I can go pursue my passion. And so I'm curious what advice you would give to someone who's not entirely satisfied in their current career, 
but has to stick it out for a couple more years to get out of debt so they can go pursue their passion. Yeah, the, fir the first bit of advice I'm going to have uh, before I ask you, I'm going to ask you a couple questions is don't just walk away from your current career, right? Oh, God, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, you know, a lot of people, like, they want the short-term sort of solution. Like, if I could, yeah, they, it's the reason that our medical industry is the way it is right now. People want a pill to fix what actually takes long-term uh, um, personal improvement. And, and so um, how much debt do you have? I think I'm worth like negative one hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, I, that grad school, right? Yeah, that that definitely resonates with me. I, I also had six figures worth of debt, uh, and half a million dollars if you count my my mortgage. And um, man, it feels like you feel so anchored to whatever that the current career is, even though you may not be happy with it. I, I think the good news is that. You don't have to. You don't have to do a complete 180 and and all of a sudden have all of your debt paid off. It's about making these small pivots. And so, how long have you been working to pay off this debt? Actively working on paying it uh, off. I've been in the field for about two and a half years now. Okay, and, and so you and during that time, have you been working hard to to pay off the debt? Maybe not as hard as I could. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's that, that's important to be honest with ourselves, or at least to not lie to ourselves. Um, and, and, and so when I look at my, my own personal situation with respect to debt, um, the first thing I had to do, and, and hopefully you're, since you're asking this question, you've already done it. The first thing I had to do was stop digging the hole, right? Oh, yeah. And, and so that meant cutting up all my credit cards, canceling the credit cards, um, and then really putting together a, a detailed budget. And so Ryan and I have, I mean, I, I won't bore you with the, the exact details, but we have a, a detailed budget over at, at theminimalists.com slash debt. And um, uh, there, there are a few places on our website that you can go that we talk about finances. But when you're over there, um, you can see the exact plan that I use to, to get out of debt. Um, and, and man, I, I can tell you that when you feel trapped, you feel like, like I, I need to get out of this crater. I need some sort of direction, right? And I don't believe, I actually don't have like many goals in my life anymore. But I feel like when you're, in, when you're trapped in that crater, sometimes the, the, the goal is just to get out of the crater sort of by any means necessary, as long as it's moral and ethical aligns with your values. And so the next, the, the next tip, tip I'll give you is, is don't do whatever you can to get out of debt that as long as it, as it aligns with who you are as a person. It, we, we had someone at our um, Dallas event last night who uh, um, she was running a blog and she was talking about how she had to put advertisements on the blog even though it didn't align with her values and, and uh, because it was the thing she needed to do to try to get out of debt. And I think the problem with that is it isn't that advertisements are inherently evil or bad. Um, we, we don't believe in them for what we do because they don't align with our values and it becomes a slippery slope. And so when you, once you compromise one thing, like, yeah, I'll, I'll just do this one thing once. And then all of a sudden you, you, you look back and, and wherever you are, that road was paved by a bunch of tiny little compromises. So, so stop compromising. And the third, the third and last thing I'll tell you is, um, we are all broke at some point in our lives. And, and if, if we have some sort of debt, it means that we're broke. If we, if we have a car payment, it means I couldn't afford the car. 
It mean, that, that means I'm broke. If, uh, if I had student loans, it means I couldn't pay for this student, the, the, the college when I was going there. That means I'm broke. Um, and and uh, there are a lot of signs that tell us that we are broke, and that is okay. It's okay to be broke, or if we're not broke, sometimes some of us are just broke in, right? And, and that's okay. That the, what's not okay is not having a plan to get out of it. So I'm strongly going to encourage you to, whatever plan you have, be willing to stick to that plan. It doesn't have to be so specific that it feels uh, unattainable, but it needs to be something that you feel good about sticking to and then adjusting accordingly. Um, so you have figured out what you want to run from. Yeah, pretty well. Do you know what you want to run to? I think so. Okay, cool. Um, have you, what, what have you done to run towards whatever it is you're running towards? Uh, I've started to think about how I can leverage what I'm doing currently and the connections that I have in my career field to start moving in that direction. Cool. Yeah, I, it's, I can tell you the, uh, that's the best thing I did um, in, when I was in the corporate world and you know, I got to that, just that boiling point where I'm like, I'm done. I'm not putting in another 80-hour work week uh, or, or, or I'm going to put in as little as possible, uh, as few as possible 80 hour work weeks. And, um, I'm just going to like pay off my debt. And when I pay off my debt, I'm going to become a barista. Like that's what I was running towards. Yeah. Did, did that ever happen? Well, um, I mean, Josh and I, we did open a coffee shop in St. Petersburg. You got behind the espresso bar though? We did. They won't let me touch the espresso machine down there. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm allowed to do pour overs. And we did like nice. a couple of days down there, which was cool. Um, uh, just kind of like a, a like a, a special event that we had, and uh, yeah, that's kind of like, dude. One day, maybe I will actually end up being a barista, though. Like, it's still, it's still, it's still what I would do. Like, if everything, the rug was swept out from underneath of me, I'd probably go be a barista for a little bit. Um, but because uh, I think about that a lot, I'm like, I, I hope, like, you know, ten years from now, I'm not telling the packing party story still. You know, like. It's, uh, it's a great story. Don't get me wrong. I love telling it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm just thinking like, yeah, down the line when, when maybe Josh and I don't have the ability to go on tour, like I'll go be a barista or I thought maybe being a school teacher. I thought that sounded uh, kind of cool too. But um, uh, a lot of respect for school teachers, by the way, if there's any in here. Um, awesome. And uh, I'll tell you the one mistake I made though, man, is I did not have an end date. I just told myself, I'm like, I'm just going to like eat peanut butter and jelly and ramen noodles, which don't do that. That's the worst diet ever, but you can find a substitute that's just as cheap. Um, chicken and rice or, you know, whatever. Uh, I was eating a lot of tuna fish too. Um, and I, it, you know how sad it is? Like I'm in like this huge, you know, 2000 square foot house, two living rooms. And I'm like in the living room eating tuna fish, like <laughs> going to pay this off one day. And uh, I'll tell you, man, not having the end date, it made me compromise the length and, and my resources a little bit more. So uh, I, would, I would encourage you to learn from my mistake and, and have an end date set. Like how long is it, if you absolutely put in everything to paying off your debt, when are you gonna be debt free? And, and, and really stick to that plan. Another tool or a tool I'll recommend you is uh, Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. If you haven't read it, it's, I, I wish I followed that. I did it the hard way. And, and I, after I was debt free is when I read his book and I was like, God, I could have really done that a lot differently. <laughs> um, so also learn from my mistake there as well. But he's got a great formula and uh, you're asking the right questions, man. But yeah, set an end date. Um, you know, use as many tools as you can and, and, and work your plan. 
Uh, cheers. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks brother. Appreciate, Appreciate the it. question. Oh, by the way, I gave you the wrong URL. It was theminimalists.com slash freedom. It's a long essay called Financial Freedom, Five Difficult Steps to Get Out of Debt. And that word difficult is the, is the key word in all of that because it is difficult. It's relatively simple, but it ain't easy to get out of debt, especially that much debt. And, uh, man, I wish you the best. Howdy. Hi. What's your name? Jennifer. Where are you from, Jennifer? I'm from San Angelo, Texas. Welcome. And I first want to say I'm so thankful that y'all do what you do, and I am very thankful to my sister Kay for introducing me to y'all. Thanks, Kay. Thanks, Kay. <laughs> it, it's, it's been very eye-opening and helpful, but I'm struggling. I have three grown children, and I am struggling so much with getting rid of the stuff that they left behind with me. And they're, they're all three very artistic. And one example is my daughter, she lives in New York City in a tiny apartment now where she has no room for all this stuff that she left with me. Yeah. And one of the things that she left is a coat that she made, lined, and she even made the buttons on it out of Fimo clay. Each button is different. Wow. That's just an example of the kind of things that I have in my house that... I have a very hard time parting with, but she doesn't want them, so why do I feel like I have to keep them? I don't know what to do. And Angela, I've got great news for you. Your kids left those things at your house. That ain't their stuff anymore. It's your stuff. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And, and, and so I think when, when you look at... Um, well, when I, when I look at your situation, I, I see... <laughs> I'm trying to find a tactful way here. Um, uh, b because R Ryan's right. You have... All, I'm, storing. You, I'm storing. You You have a bunch yeah. of stuff that you certainly don't need. And you said your kids don't want it, right? And it seems to me the way you're, you're positing your question is you don't want it either. And, and, and yet you feel an obligation... And that obligation has turned into a bit of a liability for you because there are all these embedded costs. These things didn't co cost you anything in terms of a price tag. You didn't buy these things, uh, or maybe you did at one point some of the things you bought for them or whatever, but that's all sunk costs long gone. There are all these additional costs beyond what, uh, you, beyond what the, the, the physical thing costs. Or, or, and so it's the, all the worry that you're going through right now or the space that the thing takes up. Because like you said, the, the, your daughter has this tiny apartment in New York. She doesn't have the space for it. You know what that tells me? She can't afford it. Now, afford it in the sense that she would have to buy a bigger place or a storage locker. And what, I, what I'm going to tell you is you can't afford holding on to those things either because they're a much greater liability than, than letting go. And, and here's the thing. You're, you, I, I guarantee if, I, if we had the time, I could say name 12 things that are really great and sentimental that, that are going to be really hard to get rid of. Don't start with those things. Start with the things you're like, I'm like, what, what, what is the junk they left behind? And they, then you're going to tell me the 48 things that are junk that they left behind. You can start naming those off really quick. That's junk, that's junk. Start with those because the junk are things that are easy to get rid of. And, and by the way, during my talk earlier, I said, you know, by letting go, I realized that someone else might be able to get value from it because you're clearly not getting value from it now. Yeah, and well, I was going to say also to Josh's point, when he was talking about earlier with his mom's stuff, having, having a house full of your kid's stuff 
Like, this is stressing you out, stressing you out, obviously. So there is some sign saying, like, hey, like, something has to happen. But, you know, if you were to get rid of most of it and hang on to a few items, now those few items are going to have a lot of meaning to you instead of being watered down with all of this stuff that your kids left behind. But I'll tell you, if your kids don't want it, you're, and, and I'm just, <clears throat> there's no judgment with what I'm about to say. Your kids don't want it. If you're holding it on, if you're holding on to it to pass down to them, like you're kind of doing them a disservice. So think of it that way. I know you think you're helping them by hanging on to their stuff, but you're actually kind of doing the opposite by hanging on to it, onto things that they don't want or need. It's like living in the past is what I feel like a lot that I'm hanging on too much to the past. Yeah. Yeah. If you get in your car today and um, actually on the way over here, I was, I was in an Uber and uh, right in front of us, a car, like literally the car in front of us uh, ran a red light and they were just T-bone. It was like two big SUVs and just smashed right into them. And <laughs> someone said, welcome to Houston. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's so funny because when I was walking around, I saw remnants of, I did see remnants of wrecks everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just happened right in front of us. And, and um, here's what I'll say is, is when we are paying attention to the road immediately in front of us, not way off in the distance, we're not just constantly looking off and what's going to happen, you know, 10 miles from now or in our own life, metaphorically, 10 years from now, we're constantly daydreaming about that. Um, that's a problem. But the other problem is when we're constantly staring in the rearview mirror. And if you keep staring in the rearview mirror, you're going to crash. And, and uh, right now, a lot of those things are, it's living in the rear view. And life in the rear view does not have that great of a view. That's a pithy answer. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Don't, don't be scared to let go. T- take a picture of some stuff, like, because things certainly can trigger memories. But if you're looking at a, a picture of, a, a, of one of your kids' toys versus holding on to it, I promise you, you're going to get a very, very similar feeling. I mean, I'm thinking about, like, when I was a kid, I had, uh, like, the little monster where the handcuffs broke. I, I forget what those are called, but, but thank you. Yes. That, what is it? My, my pet monster. That's what it is. Yeah. I had one of those guys. This guy grew up in the eighties too. <laughs> so, so, you know, if I had that toy, honestly, it would be hard for me to let go of it. But I, I, I have a picture of me like roller skating and I'm holding on to it and looking at that, I can be like, Oh yeah, that pet monster was so cool. I really liked it. Um, so don't, don't be, don't be hesitant to let, let some small stuff go and things that you feel like, oh, I might want to reminisce about that one day. Take a picture of it, put it on your computer, open the magic cloud or something. And the thing Ryan talked about deadlines, you can give yourself a deadline, but also let them know. I mean, because they're, they may think they're storing their stuff at your place and just let them know, Hey, I'm just, I've decided I'm going to get rid of this stuff. What month is this? It's November right now. Hey, I decided I'm going to get rid of this. Uh, the week after Thanksgiving, and if you want any of it, you're welcome to uh, to come get it and get it out of the house. And by the way, I, I'd appreciate it. It would actually really help me if you would take some of this out of the house, if you'd be willing to, to let go of it for me. Yeah, what you should do is ask for a Christmas present where your kids come and get all their shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll do that. <laughs> Thank y'all. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Hey, Ryan, what time is it? It is time for our hashtag Ask the Minimalist lightning round where we usually answer questions from social media, but that'd be weird if we were on our phones while y'all are just looking at us. 
Yeah, so if you're at home, uh, you can ask us questions on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, at The Minimalists. Uh, we usually try to respond to these questions with a short, shareable, less than 140-character response. And actually, while we're doing this live, Jessica Williams is back there. She, she runs all of our uh, social media, and she live tweets from, from the... Oh, she's up here. There she is. Ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Williams. She is the one who curates all the articles and stuff that we share on social media. We, always, we try to find a way to add value via social media instead of adding to the noise. But she live tweets some of these pithy answers with the hashtag less is now. You can share your own photos and answers and stuff uh, with that same hashtag. We'll repost some of our favorites. We call these short answers minimal maxims. And she catalogs all of them. There's hundreds of them now over at minimalmaxims.com. So a short pithy answer each time. But here's the thing. You're going to ask us a regular question. We're going to... We don't have a pithy answer with us right now. We'll maunder on a little bit, and then we'll give you an answer eventually. Howdy. Hi. What's your name? I'm Hayden. Hey, Hayden. Hi, Hayden. How old are you, Hayden? I'm 12. Oh, wow. That is amazing. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Where are you from, Hayden? I'm from Houston. Welcome. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for being so brave. What's your question? Um, so my dad and I... Hi, Dad. love you. Um, so um, we asked a question... Um, and you made fun of it, which is totally cool. And then he asked another question, and you didn't answer, so I'm hoping you'll answer this one. So, um... Wait, we made fun of your dad's question? Yeah. What, what, what was this? It was about how we had to, um, go and, like, get toothpaste, and, like, how we stockpiled it, and is that, like, logical? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sir, I don't remember making fun of you, but I really apologize. We were probably just... thought we were being funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It wasn't an attack, I it promise. <laughs> Bullies. <someone>. Shut up! <laughs> Shut up, this is our show! I'm so sorry. Go ahead. Um, so my question is, what would you say to kids like me who are like, so I'm trying to like be a minimalist, but you know those like holiday ads that come around and they have so much stuff that I want? So like... What kind of stuff do you want? Um, you know those like cars with like real FM radios for kids, you know, that kind of thing. And like Apple Watches and like the iPhone 10 and maybe a pony. So, um... And maybe a pony. <laughs> oh my goodness. I just imagine her riding the pony with checking her Apple Watch. <laughs> texting and writing. My life is wonderful. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, those things certainly are tempting. Oh man, Josh, I don't have kids, so I... I mean, it's really easy for me to give advice. How do you how do you how do you explain this stuff to Ella? I know she I know she asks for stuff all the time. I'm constantly trying to explain what delayed gratification is to a four year old. <laughs> the first time I told her about delayed gratification, she literally laughed in my face, and she said, "You're so funny." Um, so uh, you know, I, I don't I don't have a, a great answer to how to explain that to kids, but. Um, here's, here's the good news. The good news is you're asking the question right now and 99% of 12 year olds are not asking the question. And, yeah. yeah. And, and the first step toward being deliberate, to, to living an intentional life is asking the right questions. And if you want good answers, you have to start asking better questions. And as you start asking these questions, like, 
does this, will this Apple Watch add value to my life? And the answer is, yeah, maybe. Can I afford this thing? Um, and, and does it add more value than what that same amount of money could do elsewhere, right? And that, that might mean you know, charitable giving, or it could just mean acquiring a different item that is going to augment your life better than the you know, silly watch with notifications on it. I've, uh, one other thing, I've also found that when I say things out loud, uh, I start to realize how absurd some of my desires are. Like, uh, if I were to say, like, I see the, the new iPhone 10, the iPhone X, as some people call it, but uh, the iPhone 10, and, and I'm like, wow, that, I mean, it's, it looks gorgeous, it's like a piece of art, and, and, and then I saw this parody video. It, it, it goes into Steve Jobs talking about uh, the first iPhone 10 years ago, and has this, like, serious voiceover, 10 years ago, Steve Jobs created the first iPhone and it changed everything. And then he go, it goes for another minute or two and then all of a sudden, and now we, re, we, we <laughs> and now we've reached the culmination of Steve's vision. And it, and it pans over to the Apple keynote from this year and it's the guy doing the emoji chicken face into the phone. <laughs> So, so it's just, <laughs> we've, we've reached the culmination of Steve's vision and all of a sudden, <laughs> introducing the thousand dollar emoji machine. <laughs> and once we start saying these things out loud, we start to realize how ridiculous the, the initial desire is. It doesn't mean that it's not you know, the, the best iPhone ever made or whatever, but it's also not as serious as we think. So if I start telling myself, well, I, I might start thinking like, wow, this really would add value to my life. But if I start saying things out loud, like this, this iPhone will change my life. I start to realize how ridiculous it really seems. And so maybe start talking about these things out loud with yourself first, start asking yourself questions, but then maybe start talking to, to your parents about why you want those things. Because I find that when I talk, when I articulate why do I want this, um, it either it, it solidifies my position and it makes me rationalize getting the thing that will truly add value to my life, or it makes me re realize that, huh, maybe I don't actually need this thing after all. Is that your pithy answer? Uh, the, the buck, buck, buck? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, let me ask you, why, why do you want the iPhone 10? I'm just curious. Um, I don't know, because I saw the ad on TV, and I was like, wow, that's cool. Yeah. And so, yeah, now I want it. That's a perfectly reasonable uh, uh, reason to want the iPhone X, because I also want the iPhone X. <laughs> because when I see the ad on TV, I think the same exact thing. And uh, just, you know, kind of reiterating what Josh was saying, I've got to ask myself, what is this phone going to do more than the phone I have now? What kind of phone do you have right now? A success. Dude, you got a nice phone. You got a nicer phone than I got, which is okay. But you know, what, what, what I'm trying to say is, is that you, you, you already have something really, really nice. What is that iPhone 10 going to do more for you that your phone right now isn't? And you, you don't have to answer that, but, but that's, that's the question that I have to ask myself. And when I look at the face recognition, that's cool. It is. It's pretty sweet. Like, it'll, you know, you hold up to your face and it'll unlock. Like, you don't have to, whatever. I don't like the whole idea of the home button being gone. But I could get past it. 
And yeah, it does that. It does that emoji thing. That's cool. But you know, really, it's not going to add any additional value to my life. You know what I can do with a thousand bucks instead of buying an iPhone? I can go uh, dig a well. Well, I can. I, I won't go dig it, but I would pay to go have a well dug over. You know, over somewhere where there's a village of fifteen, twenty people who who need a well put into their into their ground and uh, need fresh water. So, and I'm not trying to make you feel bad for one an iPhone 10, but those are the types of questions that I, that I will ask myself, like, okay, if I, okay, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to get this iPhone 10 because it can do this one thing for me that my current phone can't do. I, I would ask myself, well, before I spend a thousand bucks to do this one thing, uh, what else can I do with that? So same thing, same thing with a pony. What are you going to do with a pony? Do you guys got, do you, do you guys have a farm? No, but you know, we have a guest room. So. <laughs> You're you are hilarious. You're adorable. Thank you. Hey, hey, so let me ask you, why don't you want the iPhone 8? Oh, I don't, I don't know. She I, hasn't seen a commercial for it. Yeah. Well, the, and, and that's, that's interesting. So the end of that parody video, it's like, and also introducing the new iPhone 7S. Wait, the iPhone 8. This is completely different from the iPhone 7. This one's $800. And so if I had a pithy answer for you, I guess it would be most upgrades aren't. That's good. <laughs> uh, I, I'm trying to think of something pithy. I wasn't even thinking about pithy when I was talking a minute ago. I've got to start all over again. Do something about a pony. <laughs> okay, I will. Uh, it, doesn't, uh, uh, it doesn't matter if it's a pony or an iPhone. Things like that are just tools to enhance your life. Okay, thank you. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. Howdy. Hi. What's your name? Courtney. Where are you from, Courtney? I am from Cyprus. Thanks for being here. <laughs> yes, yeah, Cyprus in the house. <laughs> okay, so um, my question is kind of more geared towards Ryan, but I think both of y'all can answer. So I'm currently combining households with my boyfriend and we're moving into a 600 square foot apartment. Sweet. And he is not a minimalist. <laughs> so I'm having a tough time respecting his boundaries, but also not just like tossing his junk. <laughs> um, does he respect your boundaries? Yes. That's pretty cool. Well, if he's, if he's respecting your boundaries, you got to respect his boundaries. <laughs> and, you know... There are going to be a lot of, besides physical stuff, there's going to be a lot of other boundaries and difficult things that you're going to uh, probably have a rise uh, in the... Two in, cats and two dogs. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, wow, in a 600 square foot apartment. Yes. You could just like start a petting zoo or something. <laughs> I feel like I live in a zoo anyways. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I think that with Mariah and I, the reason why we get along so well is because we appreciate one another so much our, our values and beliefs align so much that there are these small imperfections that we have that we can really look past and and i think that is what makes a great relationship it's not about having a perfect relationship there's no such thing um, there's no such thing as a perfect person so it's about finding someone who has the values and beliefs that that align with yours i'm assuming that is absolutely the case here and uh, it's about having a common, common uh, uh, path to take, like making sure that you're on the same road and you're heading in the same direction. Um, with with uh, Mariah and I, I mean, God, I could sit here and tell you 
all the small little things that would be like, man, I don't know why she holds on to that. And she might even look at me the same way. She's never really said anything to me about getting rid of anything. Because I would probably be like, okay. <laughs> okay, if I get rid of something, then I get to pick something here to get rid of. No, uh, I would never do that with her. But, uh, you know, my point is, is that uh, I, I go out of my way to show her respect and to show her appreciate, appreciation. And it is, it is not easy to do it every single day, especially when I'm on the road. That's really hard to do while I'm on the road. Um, but what I'll say is, is it takes a lot of discipline to do that in a relationship. But if you do that, go out of your way to do that, as long as they're reciprocating, you're going to have a, an amazing relationship. Let me, let me ask you... Um, What's your ideal outcome here? Um, I mean... In a perfect world, what's your ideal outcome? Just for us to live together happily and yeah. it all work out. Yeah, no, I, think, I, think, I think that's right. Um, and, and so um, that doesn't necessarily mean being on the same exact page with respect to minimalism, right? Uh, or with respect to simplifying or just with respect to consumption in general. You, you, you might be on different pages, right? Uh, but you, I, I'm willing to bet you both have the same outcome, right? And, and if you were to sat down, if you were to sit down with him and, and say, let's figure out what our outcome is, and then we can figure out how to get there. So if I were to give you a pithy answer, it would be, uh, don't mistake the vehicle for the destination. And, and you want to end up in the same place, you, you might not take the same vehicle or even the same path to get there. Oh yeah, I forgot about the pithy thing again. <laughs> um, man, these are really weak tonight. Jess, don't tweet these. <laughs> um, you can tweet mine, they're good. Yeah, Josh's are awesome. <laughs> mine are weak. Uh, I would say, um, <laughs> give me like five minutes, just, <laughs> just thinking up here. No, um, the best way to show your partner love is to show them appreciation every single day. All right. Thank you. Thank you. We got time for one more bonus question. I'm looking at the clock now. We're actually getting ready to go over. But before we do that, um, we're, we're going to skip our added value segment uh, tonight. I've, I'm feeling really off tonight. And it, just before we, we went on the stage, I, I heard about that there's a the biggest mass shooting in Texas history uh, today, right outside of San Antonio in uh, Sutherland Springs. And um, I know all the details aren't out there, and, and I know not everyone agrees on the solutions, and um, that's okay. But, but what we can agree is that this was a, a terrible act of evil. And um, if you join me, um, I want to show some solidarity and, and some respect for the folks who lost their lives or were injured today. Take a, a few, uh, just a moment of silence to uh, acknowledge those people. You know, it, it's really strange that um, so, some things affect you in, in different ways. Like I remember when, when the Vegas thing happened just a few weeks ago, um, you know, and I've been, I've been feeling overwhelmed by tragedy recently, and I don't know if this was just the straw that broke the camel's back or what, but, um, man, I, 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 don't, I, I don't at this point even know what to say about it, uh, other than that there is, there's real evil in the world. But here's the other thing that I'll say, is we all have the potential for evil. 
and, and I think we can all understand that this is the, this is the culmination of, of, of negative human emotion and, and, and the difference is that most of us aren't going to act on, on something like that. And I think that's the, the important thing to think about. We, all, we are all the darkness and the light, right? And, and what really matters is how, how we behave every day, what our daily actions are. Are they in line with the people that we want to become? Because there is, you know, there's Cain and there's Abel, right? And, and uh, uh, we can get really upset with how the world is and we can sort of take, you know, we, can, we can take that out on, on the people that we love and we care about. Or, or, or we can be the guiding light for, for the people who, who need help. And we, we all have the potential to, to be all of that. And so, man, I'm... I'm I'm speechless with respect to, to the tragedy itself, but uh, I'm grateful you all are here tonight, and I'm grateful, grateful that uh, we get a chance to, uh, to share this message. We are running over on time, but that is okay. We, we made time for one, one bonus question here. Howdy, what's your name? Hi, Yvonne. Welcome hey, Yvonne. to Texas. And Thank, welcome you. To Houston. Thank you. Thank you for your generosity for the donation to the Harvey Relief. It's been difficult for this. No, our, yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you for you. being here to support it. Absolutely. So my question is, um, I do your monthly challenge, and I'm really good for the first week. I'm on <laughs> it. Because that's the easiest part of the challenge. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So I was raised by wonderful parents that were born and raised in a third world country. So I come from a place of scarcity, right? And it wasn't so much that they saved things because they wanted to keep up with the Joneses, they saved it for financial value. Like you never know what you're gonna need it for. So at about the 10th of the month, I get to, oh, I might need that. You know, like the little voice of my mom in my head comes up and it shows up as, you might, don't give it away, just hold on to it. So then yeah. the next month comes around. So basically, I just want some words of wisdom, some suggestions, when I hear that little voice, maybe I could replace it with y'all's. Yes, yes. I've been told sometimes we're the voice in people's heads. You're welcome or I'm sorry, I don't know which. <laughs> Three most dangerous words in the English language, just in case, indeed. So um, really, that's what, you're, that's what you're struggling with right now. And so for those of you who don't know what she's talking about, we, we have something on our website called the 30-Day Minimalism Game. It's absolutely free to play, uh, although it takes your time and your attention and a lot of your stuff if you're good at it. Um, and, and so what happens is the first of the month, you, you decide, you, you partner up with someone, friend, family member, coworker, enemy, if you really want it to be fun. <laughs> You partner up with someone, and over the course of the month, you say, I'm going to get rid of some stuff this month. First day of the month, you each get rid of one item. Second day of the month, two items. Third day of the month, three items. So it starts off really easy. Gets you that momentum you need. And ideally, and this is what tens of thousands of people have told us, that once you get that momentum, you just start throwing stuff out left and right. Occasionally, you hit uh, a speed bump, though. And, and, and that speed bump is almost always those three words, just in case. And here, here's, what, here's what the problem is. We're mistaking just in case for just for when, right? So uh, uh, Haley was a 12-year-old, right? So her dad, I think we made a, a smart-alecky answer about stockpiling toothpaste. Um, 
like going to Sam's Club or, or whatever, Costco, and, and buying a case of toothpaste or whatever was, was probably some, a joke about that, right? And um, uh, you know you're going, well, hopefully you're going to use toothpaste. And so, like, I will buy, I, I don't buy my toilet paper one little square at a time, right? You're such a hypocrite. <laughs> I don't use toilet paper. Minimalism! <laughs> No, I, um, I, I, I buy several rolls at a time, right? And because I know that's just for when I'm going to use it, right? I hope I'm going to have to use that. If Haley, if Haley gets that pony, she's going to need a lot of it. And, and so I, I realize that's a just for when item. The problem is when we start telling ourselves, yeah, I'm going to use this. Uh, hypothetical future that doesn't exist, right? And so Ryan and I came up with our just-in-case rule. You can find that over theminimalists.com slash J-I-C. It's also known as the 2020 rule. Anything that you're holding on to just in case, you can, get, you can give yourself permission to let go of it because you can replace it for less than $20 in less than 20 minutes. Now, first, that sounds like a rule of privilege. Like, yeah, you're going to go out and spend $20 every day on, on a just-in-case item? That's going to add up to a whole lot of money. It's over 100 bucks a week every week. Yeah, if that were true, but it's not because most of the just-in-case items we're holding on to, we're never going to use. In fact, Ryan and I imp- started implementing that rule. Well, it'd be six years ago this month. Yeah. We went on our on our first tour, and um, man, we've had, between the two of us, we've had, we've had to use that rule five times in six years to replace just-in-case items, and it's given me the permission to let go of tens of thousands of other just-in-case items that, honestly, I was just selfishly hoarding because I'm like, yeah, I might need that someday. Well, the truth is, someone else might need it today. Yeah, I would, I would encourage you, the next time you approach this game, is have a couple rules in place. So here's just a couple ideas. I'm not saying to actually do this, but here's just a couple ideas. So you can make the rule that if... I want to hold on to something that I think I could probably go get, you know, where the just-in-case rule covers it, let it go. If you haven't used it in the last year, if you're not going to use it in the next year, let it go. Maybe that's nine, uh, Josh and I, we do a 90-day thing where it's, if it, we haven't used it in the last 90 days or in the, in the next 90 days, we'll, we'll let it go. But like I said, you create your own rules and, and approach, it, uh, ap- approach it in a much more just deliberate, disciplined manner the next time you play that game. The one thing I'll say, too, is that, like, let me tell you a just-in-case thing that um, it kind of messed me up uh, on this trip. I have, um, I, I have these, like, it's like a little pack of 10, and it's like screen cleaners for my computer and stuff. And I had a pack. It was open. There were, there were like, you know, two or three, you know, maybe two. I didn't know. And I was like, oh, I'm going to bring another pack just in case. And I was like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, as soon as I hear myself saying just in case, like, it's, you know, instantly, like, radar starts going off. So It's almost become a cuss word. Like, like as yeah. soon as I, I hear it, I'm like, oh, even, cringe. Even I'll talk to Josh. I'll be like, yeah, let's do that just. Never mind. <laughs> but but uh, I, I opened the pack up, and they were dry. And I was so pissed. I was like, oh. Man, like now I got to go get that pack. And I'll tell you what, I haven't went out and got another pack of screen wipes yet because I really, I can get by without it. So even like those things that I totally do use, totally kind of hosed myself on by not bringing a backup. At the end of the day, like I really didn't need it anyway. I mean, 
a glass cloth will get get me by. You know, it'll be fine till I get home. So um, yes, you are in a, you are in a culture of access now. Where your parents come from, it was a culture of ownership, and in a lot of places in in the world, it still is a culture of ownership, but not here. So if you can if you can really uh, just appreciate that um, and, and apply some rules to the next time you play this game, you'll probably be a little bit more successful. I think you could be 100% successful if you really stick to it and be honest with yourself. My, my uh, family played it a few, few um, months ago now, and we're a family of minimalists. And so like, we just all partnered up and said, okay, as a household, today is day 15. We're going to get rid of 15 items today. Most of which were just Ella's toys. It's, <laughs> it's so much easier to go to her stuff. Um, but I learned a whole lot through that because, I mean, it was really difficult for us to try to, to, go, to go through that. And I don't think it's about deprivation. Like what Ryan just went through with the little screen wipes or whatever. Like it's not like he was saying, well, I'm never going to replace those ever again. He's like, no, I think I can go another day and a half without them or, or whatever it may be. Right. And, uh, and then of course he can bring it into his life if he needs to. And, and what I've learned is that when we, if we, if we really want to, what is real learning? We want to learn lessons in life. It's pushing your, self to, to the edge of comfort, past that edge of comfort, into the territory of discomfort, but not into a territory that is so uncomfortable that you panic. Like, if I wanted to run a marathon, I wouldn't go out tonight and run a marathon. I'm not equipped for, for doing that, right? There are some people who could do that, but, but I would instead would train for it. In order to train for it, I would become a little bit less comfortable every single day. I would put myself in that discomfort zone, run a little bit farther. And that's the same thing with letting go. Letting go gets easier as you, you, you sort of expand the, your border of comfort. And now, man, I'm good at letting go of just about anything at this point because I've sort of run the, the metaphorical marathon of letting go. Before we wrap up, I just want to say thank you to the House of Blues for yeah. having us here tonight. And the man who makes everything much, much, much simpler for us. Uh, he is our road manager, our podcast producer, our podcast editor, our book editor, our website editor, our tour bus driver, which is just a rental car right now. <laughs> and an all-around outstanding human being. Ladies and gentlemen, podcast Sean, hiding in the shadows. And I want to thank you for being here tonight. I know you could be anywhere else, and you paid some money to get in here, but you also gave up your two most precious resources, your time and your attention. And we're really grateful for that. And if you all leave here tonight with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things, because the opposite never works. Yeah. Thanks, y'all. Thank you so much, Houston. You guys are awesome. Minimum.